I'm Carrie. And I'm Amy, and you are listening to The Perks of Being a Book Lover, a show hosted by two book nerd friends who talk to other book nerds, including authors, poets, librarians, booksellers, and regular readers. Our show follows this format. We begin with my crabby dullness and Amy's sometimes maddening enthusiasm. It took us a little bit of time to become self-aware and recognize that we embody the grumpy sunshine trope that we often see in literature. That is followed by a fun conversation with a new bookish friend about what they love about being a bookworm. Then we talk about what we're reading, and finally we put our guest on the hot seat to answer some silly probing questions. We're glad you've joined us. We got together on the first day of 2023 to review our top books of 2022, and we're already busy reading books to discuss this year. Time was too short to talk about all of our favorite books, but you can see a full list of our five-star reads from 2022, as well as a list of all the books we mentioned in this episode on our website at perksofbeingabooklover.com. Our year in review episode is always fun because we ask our guests from the past 12 months to tell us about their favorite book. It brings back great memories to hear their voices all over again. Happy New Year. Yeah. Woohoo! <laughs> we Happy are... Arbitrary Time Delineation Day. <laughs> we are recording this on January 1st, 2023, and this is our slightly belated year in review episode. Talking about all the books. All the books. All the books. Where should we start? Well, I think we should start out by saying how many books we read this year. I beat you. You did. You beat me again. But we're going to talk about this. I might be like that kid who, when they lose, takes their ball home and says, (laughs) I'm not playing anymore. I don't want to play with you anymore. So you read how many books 128. Okay. I read 122. Okay. Like a week ago, we were only about two apart, and then you pulled away from me. Mm -hmm. But I was looking at my past challenges, Mm -hmm. and last year I read 117, and in 2020, that was my top year ever, and it was 124. Mm -hmm. So I really think that I can't read many more than I am reading now, Mm -hmm. and I'm really not a competitive person, except for when it comes to this and you. (laughs) Really, I'm not competitive about hardly anything, except for this and you. I am weirdly competitive. Like, I get competitive about weird stuff that it's kind of pointless to be competitive. I mean, I just like to rib you about stuff. It's just fun to go, ha ha, I beat you again. But here's the thing. But Chris was saying, so I gave you a copy of Babel. Mm-hmm. A, a few days ago. Does he want it back as like retribution? <laughs> no. no oh, okay. Okay. So I had gotten it for Chris as a, as a Christmas present. Right. And it turned out that he had already downloaded it for himself. Mm-hmm. So I had this extra copy of Babel and I thought that you might like it. So I gave it to you. Mm-hmm. But when you looked at it, you said, oh my gosh, this thing is so big. Mm-hmm. And I was telling Chris about that. And he said... You two need to stop this competition because the only reason Carrie does not want to read that book is because it's long and then she can't read so many short books and beat you at the book numbers. Mm, Possibly, but I think that I just have gotten, yeah, you're probably right. Well, I'm curious. So like, look at, you know how on Goodreads, it tells you your shortest book and your longest book. Yeah. 
Okay, what was your average book length? It also shows you your average book length in 2022. My shortest book was 28 pages. Okay, my was... shortest book was 60 pages. Okay. Well, this was a short story. Okay. This was a what short was story. your longest book? 461. My longest book was 608. Okay, you did do a long book. Yeah. Okay, what's your average book length? 277. Mine is 282. Well, I mean, if you go by averages and you go, like, my shortest book was longer than your shortest book. My longest book was longer than your longest book. And my average book length was longer, not by much, but was longer than your average book length. I think his point being that we have poo-pooed longer books. We've talked about it a little bit on the show. I feel like for audiobooks, we have a good reason for that. We, We both... We're cheap and we check them out of the library. Right. On, and you only get 14 days. And you only get 14 days right. on Libby. Right. And personally, I can't get through a book uh, longer than 10 to 11 hours mm-hmm. in two weeks. Yeah. You know what? I just thought of it. I know what the, the other reason is. What? That has nothing to do with our competition. It's because we have had, because we have had to read so many books for the show, mm. I can't commit to reading a long book because then I won't have enough books to talk about uh, for what we're reading. Yeah, that too. Because yeah. if if we're recording every week, mm-hmm. I can't be like, well, I'm still reading Babel. That's- still reading Babel. <laughs> I'm still reading Babel. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I think, like, I get what Chris is saying, and there, I, there probably is something to that. But I think the bigger reason is the show and having to keep up with have new books in order to talk about i will commit to reading Babel this year if it will make chris happy it might make him happy we talk about some bookish goals or Mm -hmm. at least i you know have a few bookish goals Mm -hmm. one of my bookish goals is not to care so much about the number yeah that's a good one yeah i mean it's kind of fun it's kind of fun yeah but sometimes i feel like i might end up reading books that i don't care as much about just because they're short. Yeah. And but but I think that's, honestly, I think that's a function of the show. Possibly. Do you have any bookish goals? How was your reading year this year? Did you feel like you had a good reading year? I'm not talking uh, number-wise. Uh, you know, that's such a that's such a difficult question because, I mean, okay, like, for me, I'm a list, you know, like, if I set a goal, I want to achieve that goal, which is why, like, I'm curious, what did you set as your goal to read? Like, how many books did you say you wanted to read? A hundred. See, I think I said, I said 80. Mm-hmm. So I set my goal achievable. The books that I said last year when we recorded this, because I am a list, like, if I make a list, I want to mark it off the list. So all the books that I said I wanted to read in 2022, I read all of them. <laughs> I finished these N.K. Jemison, the Broken Earth series. So I'm kind of glad it'd be like, okay, I, I completed that series. And that was a long book, despite what Chris thinks. So, I mean, you know, in that respect, it was good. I tried to read some poetry this year. And I think I've decided that I have a sweet spot for poetry. And none of the poetry books I read hit that spot. I don't know why. You know, like, I I will see poems, I'll be like, oh, I like that poem. But for me to just get a book of one author's poetry, as a general rule, or at least maybe it's the books that I picked this year, it's not my jam, let's just say. It's not my jam. But I tried. You know, I I, I keep trying. So what about you? I had a pretty good reading year. There there have been past years where I've had, you know, 
quite a few five stars, but there's usually like one book that stands out and mm-hmm. it's like, that was my favorite book of the year. Mm-hmm. And I don't really have that. I mean, I have like several that I think, oh, I really love that book. Mm-hmm. As far as this thing, this thing that we've done the last couple of years about what books do you want to read in the new year? Yeah, I know. Yeah, you made a list. You read all of them. <laughs> <laughs> I made a list. I read two out of the five. No, you read. I read oh, really? Another Appalachia yeah. and I read Where I Can't Follow. I thought you read one of the other ones, nope. too. Did oh. not. Did not read any of those other ones. Oh. I didn't even remember what was on the list. <laughs> you, because you're a mood reader. You have to yes. be in the mood. I, I think that's the thing. Our reading uh, mojo or whatever yeah, you want to call it is totally different. So while the list thing for me is is motivating... The list thing for you, and you've talked about this. It's like, oh, that's just the list right here in this, this one moment. minute moment. Exactly. And and if you ask me two minutes from now, you're going to have a different answer. Absolutely. So no. I decided I am not doing this. <laughs> I'm not going to do this from now on because it really doesn't tell anybody anything. Yeah. Except for what books sounded interesting to me in that one minute on January first, twenty twenty two. You know, we what we kind of did is uh, we categorized some of the books. I'm wondering, did you notice anything? I noticed something as I was categorizing, like looking at the books. What books out of the books I read, which books did I think, oh, yeah, that was a really good book. Oh, yeah. You know, that was kind of what I was, the feeling I was I was looking for, mm-hmm. you know, when, when I was like, okay, what books would I put as my best fantasy books or my best sci-fi books or my best? Historical fiction, whatever, right? These categories. And I realized that my categories, I've got a big fantasy, or, you know, I mean, not big, but, you know, of the books that I, that I was thinking about, oh, yeah, that was a good book. Fantasy, middle grade, th- those are like the two biggest ones. So did you have a category that, you know, when you were looking through that you were like, oh. Yeah. I. What are I, your categories? I feel like I read a lot of nonfiction. Mm-hmm. So that was a bigger category. I don't know. Over the last few years, I feel like I have been reading more and more nonfiction. Mm-hmm. The other thing I noticed was it used to be historical fiction was one of my go-to genres, mm-hmm. and I've been reading less and less mm-hmm. of that. I still have a couple books that I gave five stars to that were historical fiction. But whereas that used to be, I would say, 60% of what I read. Mm-hmm. So I would, see, I would say I saw a decline in that. And I read a lot of middle grade. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, and I really really enjoyed middle grade and if you'd asked me five years ago i would have said middle grade is for middle school middle grade is for middle school but there's not all of them maybe the ones i'm reading the ones that i tend to read they're whimsical Mm -hmm. in a way that is hard to capture in an adult book except for maybe tj clune i feel like the house in the cerulean sea kind of captures that feeling but mm-hmm. also is an adult book mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but i like sort of that whimsical feel of mi- middle grade books yeah i mean looking at the middle grade books that i have i think people think oh middle grade book it's for kids it's not going to say anything important but in some cases they say things that are as important if not more important than what i get from adult books well and i think that's the thing like that to me that's how i know that it's like a really good middle grade book because it has that sort of fresh, innocent, maybe whimsical, you know, it has that, but then it's also, it can like get, and it's hard to get to my heartstrings, you know, they're pretty tight. 
but they're able to get to that. Yeah. Another, we were talking about bookish goals and another bookish goal I have for next year is to read more backlist, Mm. read more books I have on my shelves because I have so many books on my shelves and I love having books on my shelves, but I realize that sometimes even if they're new releases and I buy them, then that means that I will not read them for several years Mm -hmm. because if they're on my shelf, I think, oh, well, I've got lots of time to read that as opposed to like a book I check out or I don't know. Anyway, I want to read more of my backlist books. And another thing, I want to start using this program called Storygraph. Have you heard of Storygraph? Mm, I'm not sure. I think our guest Joanne Trotter talked about it a little bit, but it is a platform like Goodreads, but it's... Uh, it gives you more data. Like <laughs> it'll give you like like by the end of the year, it would tell you what percentage of nonfiction versus fiction, mm. or what was the primary genre that you read, or um, it's very data driven. I guess it's good for you know. She was saying it's good for somebody like her who's a scientist. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but I would like to give it a a try. Not that I don't like Goodreads. I like Goodreads fine. You just want data. You're getting getting into the analytical side of your brain. So my only issue is I still want to stay on Goodreads. I just don't know if I I have the the wherewithal to Mm. keep up with both of Mm. them. Well, I did. I was just looking at Storygraph and I did see it. It showed a picture and it said moods, which I think would be a really good graph for you (laughs) because you are a mood reader yeah it's more just it it gives you more ways to describe the book oh okay so that's part of the data like it'll show you oh well 80 percent of the books you read are happy books oh you know what i mean i kind of know what the data is going to show on mine for that (laughs) so i do have a goal it's sort of it relates a little bit to your goal my goal is to not go to any book sales this Mm. year because i went to and i love a book i love a book sale because you can get some great books that you maybe wouldn't ordinarily get for cheap. The problem is that like you, I've got so many books that are sitting there staring at me, you know? So I'd gone to a couple book sales and then I went to the Louisville book festival and I bought new books and I've just got so many books staring me in the face and it's just. You're not so much like this, but me personally, I have trouble with moderation. Yeah. And when I go, I have a hard time. Just getting like the very favorite things. I end up coming home with yeah, all kinds of stuff that are great, but not something that I necessarily need to own. Right? Yeah. Well, we'll see. I'll be interested. Because you're a mood reader, I'll be interested to see how. Like with me, I think I will probably, because it's kind of like a list. Like I've got these books and I'm going to knock them out. And so I'm just wondering, you know, like if you're in a mood Maybe you ought to organize your books by mood. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you think that would do it? Like, these are Christmas books. These are, you know what I'm saying? Like, take the yeah. books you have that you want to kind of whittle down a little bit and sort of categorize them by mood. I don't know. You're asking me to be way more organized I know. than I am, I know. Carrie. Uh, I kind of know what's on my shelf. Okay. But I did do it a little bit over over the holiday. Okay. But not on my shelf shelf. <laughs> on my Kindle shelf. See, that's the other thing. You buy, you tend to buy a lot of Kindle books. I have some books on an e-reader. And so I did whittle down some of the books on my e-reader 
And I was telling my husband, how do I move this? Because to like archive it. Archive it. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's all that's bugging me that I can't move it to a to a to the closet of your (laughs) the closet of my e-reader. Yes. (laughs) See, I don't have as much that issue. I think I have maybe five books. Oh, maybe. Okay. On my e-reader. I I don't want to know how many you have. Oh, yeah. You don't want to know. I have been tempted to, I, but I don't know how to do it. There have been books that I have seen that I think, oh, oh, Carrie should have that. And there's like a deal on it. And I'm like, is there a way for me to buy it and then send it to her? <laughs> don't do that. And then I'm like, you know, that would actually probably make you mad. Don't do so that. I yes. I'd be like, oh, my God, you're pressure. pressure now. <laughs> don't clutter up my e-reader. That's like right. Yours. That's right. Let's take a short break and hear about some of our guests from this year and their favorite book of the year. Hi, this is Susan Rogers. My favorite book from the year 2022 was The Stone Loves the World by Brian Hall. Wow, he's fantastic. His depth of characterization, the way he can linger over a scene, but get so psychologically deep that you're feeling like you're right there in the head of the character living out that scene. He's fabulous. I went back and read his book, called I Should Be Extremely Happy in Your Company about the Lewis and Clark expedition. One of my new favorite writers, Brian Hall. Hey there, this is Lee Mandello, and one of the favorite books I read in 2022 was Let the Record Show, A Political History of Act Up New York, 1987 to 1993 by Sarah Shulman. Even though I grabbed a copy when it was originally published in 2021, it took me until this summer to find the emotional space to get into reading it, uh, but I'm so glad that I did. Uh, In our current political moment, dealing with issues like government neglect and rising social violence against queer and other marginalized peoples, the histories Shulman gathers and let the record show are essential for us to learn from. The way she writes calmly, but also clearly, about the importance of solidarity and rage and also managing conflicts in political organizing will really stick with me. Uh, And so will the memories, uh, the stories and photos that she collects of all those lost during the plague years. This is Maggie Smith, and my favorite book that I read in 2022 was Two Nights in Lisbon by Chris Pavone. I liked it because it started out as one thing, a kidnapping story, and then at the halfway point, it became something totally different. Plus, I love this feminist slant and the European setting. Hi, this is Kate Wickers, author of Shape of a Boy. Uh, my favourite book in 2022 was The Marmalade Diaries by Ben Aitken. Essentially, this is a book about the growth of an unusual friendship. It's incredibly touching one minute and hilarious the next, but always incredibly well-observed with astute observations on human behaviour. It's absolutely lovely. Happy New Year, everyone. Okay, let's get to the categories. Okay. Of some of our favourites for this year. Okay, let's do it. So let's start with fantasy. Did you have a favorite fantasy book this year? <laughs> I would say my favorite fantasy book is The Monsters of Rookhaven by uh, Padraig Kenny. I would say that's my favorite. And I talked about it in one of our episodes. But 
there are three honorable mentions. Uh, Rivers of London by Ben Aronovich. Uh, Listen to that on audiobook. That was awesome. Odin's Child by Siri Peterson. And The City of Brass by S.A. Chakraborty. The City of Brass series, my husband asked for the second one in the series for Christmas. So I got on that. Now, the first one you mentioned, The Monsters of Rookhaven, that's a middle grade. Yes, it is. Right. Yes. It was about a family, I'm putting that in air quotes, of monsters who live in this house. And, you you know, the book starts, it's very gothic, and they sort of pop into existence. Uh, they're hidden. There's kind of like a fog or, you know, that keeps them hidden. But they have a relationship with the human village because there's something that all of these monsters have in common. Well, the, the protection around this home sort of allows two human children to come into the home. And because of this sort of chink in the protection, another monster who is seeking these monsters is able to infiltrate. And so it was just different. And you think that the monster, so you're reading this book and there's this one particular monster who gets locked up in the basement. And so you think, oh my gosh, this monster, you know, what's he, what's he do? And this, through the story, you sort of realize things about the monsters, uh, which I tend to like the idea that we consider people or we consider things monsters that maybe we shouldn't. And the ones that are truly monstrous sort of slip past us. Um, and so this story kind of uh, reinforces that idea. It totally sucked me in and I really enjoyed it. So Very good. Yeah. Well, for me, and this was actually a book that our book club read this year, but it would be The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue mm-hmm. by V.E. Schwab. Uh, I really enjoyed that book. It's basically about this woman in the, I think it was the 1700s, who is being forced to marry and she doesn't want to. And so she makes a deal with the devil Mm -hmm. so she can have her own life. But what happens is then she's invisible and people forget her immediately after they've spoken to her or seen her. And so it's almost like she just starts her life over and over again every day. I really enjoyed that one. In fact, she was a author I'd never read before. And I'm currently listening to another one of hers right now, Gallant, which I'm enjoying very much. So, I think I said this when we talked about it in book club, but I do not like book hype at all. Um, So if something is popular, I'm generally going to not read it just because it's popular, which is very like, I don't know. That's very middle schoolish of me, or I don't know. I don't, it's very stupid, but anyway, it, it is what it is. So this book came out in October, 2020. And my neighbor, I guess had two copies and she said, do you want, this copy. So I read it and I liked it, but I think part of the reason I didn't like love it is because I remember seeing on social media people posting with lots of exclamation points, Eddie LaRue, Eddie LaRue, Eddie LaRue, like lots of exclamation points. And that just really annoyed me. I know that's terrible, but I, I like the book, but I don't think you should judge a book based on me being cantankerous that's a dumb reason to (laughs) the moral of the story is don't use exclamation points in your review or carrie will not it's gonna be yeah it's gonna be a problem i mean you know the author didn't do that it was people who like really love the book which is fine but i just there's a limit to how many exclamation points come on one is fine (laughs) let's talk about horror because that is a category that i usually read more of than you Mm -hmm. i would think Mm -hmm. but you had a, a very 
positive experience with a horror book this year, which doesn't even come out. Yeah, like January 23rd. Yeah, Yeah. January 23rd. The book that just totally blew my mind. And again, I I mean, I don't read a ton of horror, but I felt like this horror book was really just kind of smart. Like, it's The Nightmare Man by J.H. Markert, who happens to be a Louisville writer. And he had written historical fiction and I uh, had actually been a guest on our show when we first started out, but this is his first horror book, and it was fantastic. It's really hard to explain, but it was a, this strange family about nightmares and and these kind of stories that had been collected. So it had all you know, weird family gothic house that's also uh there's also an asylum in there there's a detective and his relationship with his daughter i mean there was just a lot of really good stuff in the book and i believe i'm pretty sure that he has a follow-up to this book i'm not sure when it comes out i know it comes out in 2023 i'm not sure what month but i'll be reading that one too when that one comes out my favorite horror book of the year uh, was called Devolution by Max Brooks. And this is a book that's based on uh, Sasquatch or Bigfoots. And so it is about a um, a town in California that is uh, at the base of Mount Rainier. It's a little planned community. And when Mount Rainier erupts, leaving this little community cut off from the rest of civilization the sasquatches kind of come down to where they are and there's there's a clash (laughs) but what i liked about it was i listened to it on audiobook it had a full cast which was really cool i liked it because it was different than your witches and your vampires Mm. and your zombies i mean it was it was just a little different i mean it's kind of a survival horror story Mm -hmm. as well Mm -hmm. as being kind of a cryptid horror story uh, but I I recommend that uh, especially on audio. Mm-hmm. So that was cool. that was my favorite horror book of the year. And this year I did realize that there's a type of horror that I do not like, and that is body <laughs> horror. I tried to read a book that had gotten really good reviews, and it just grossed me out too much, and it had to deal with worms. That's all I'm going to say. Well, so uh, talking about, I do have a book that I'm excited to read this year. It's uh, Leech by Huron Ennis and body horror I'm pretty sure it said well, something like Wuthering Heights meets meets leeches, leeches. or something yeah. yeah so I'm excited to read that but I have a feeling you will not want to borrow that one maybe not yeah, yeah maybe not all right but we have a weirdest category we have a weirdest you know your weirdest is very very weird <laughs> and my weird is kind of weird but not nearly as weird as yours <laughs> Well, talk about yours first. Because I don't know. Did you talk about this I one? I did. It's called Fina, F-I-N-N-A by Nino Cipri. And it is a novella by Tor.com. And it is the story of a store like Ikea where there a, a wormhole opens oh, up. I remember this. And yeah. an old lady is shopping in the store with her daughter and disappears. And the girl comes to the counter and says my grandmother has disappeared and the the corporate manager tells the employees that they have to go after the grandma and you know there's like this video that they all have to watch about what to do if a portal opens up in your store 
I liked it a lot. Mm-hmm. And in fact, there's a sequel to it called Defect that I want to read, but just haven't gotten to oh, it Oh, cool. But that was my weirdest one. Uh, my weirdest one was actually our former guest, Natalie Martin, was the one who I think brought this book to my attention. I'm uh-huh. pretty sure. Uh, it's called Morning Glory Milking Farm by C.M. Nescosta. And it was about... Um, you have to keep this uh, Yeah, I have to PG. keep this PG. Okay, so you know how cows get milked? Yes. Okay, it's not like that. Okay. Imagine, if you will, a minotaur. I assume, are all minotaurs male? I don't I know. So. so if they're not, we're going to, in this book, they are, and they are milked. By professionals milked for their seed but here's what i realized because you know it was a little weird reading about this but i was like you know in terms of i've never met a minotaur but i was looking at pictures because i was like how how does this work so minotaurs have two legs it's not a centaur right it's not a horse so a minotaur is pretty much like a human man Except they have hooves, and some men's feet might as well be hooves, and minotaurs have horns. But they have two arms, two legs, a chest, and other parts that are just like a man, except maybe bigger. So it's not really a stretch. It's not really a stretch of the imagination to imagine this. But the thing that did bother me about this (laughs) book, as you mentioned, is not the fact that the minotaurs are being milked. It's the fact that they wore pants. And so, because if you look at pictures of minotaurs, minotaurs, as they are illustrated, are very hairy. I mean, like, more hairy in the in the leg area than your average man. And so I'm thinking, okay, do they shave and then put pants on? Or do they have pants on over their fur? And that seemed like it would be uncomfortable. What is the point of the book? <laughs> I'm trying to understand. It's sex. The point of okay. the book is sex. That's oh, okay. all the point of the book is. So this is kind of a, erotica. Uh, erotica. Yes. Okay. But the thing that bothered you was the pants. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just didn't see a point in the pants. I didn't understand how the pants are comfortable. Okay. I guess it it was set in the modern world because people have cell phones and stuff. And I guess loincloths are not appropriate for 2022, now 2023. But that was the part that got me most confused. So anyway. (laughs) What is the purpose of milking the minotaurs? I mean, why do they? Oh, 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 oh. So their seed is used to make beauty products. And so, and it has to be in a sterile environment. It It is like, there. there's a machine involved, It, but, but the professionals have to get everything to the point where it can be, the machine can be used. And so is, is the point of the book that one of these professional milkers falls in love with a minotaur? Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. Let me find, there are other books in this series. See the series. Okay. Here we go. See the series. The second book is called Sweet Berries. It's Cambric Creek is the series name. Cambric 
Creek sweet and steamy monster romance. So this this world, this Cambric Creek world, is very inclusive, right? So there's like ogres dating fairies, and you know you have these very uh, diverse characters, and and so they're trying to navigate not just how does one have sex with these people, but also like, oh, my family doesn't like ogres or my family is, you know, so it's a little bit, uh, a little bit of that going on too. It was fun. It was weird. I would read more. I mean, I'm not going to, that's, I'm not going to suddenly turn, that's not going to be everything I read, Uh huh. but it was a, it was a fun little romp. So. Well, very good. <laughs> well, now the something that's a little more tame. Yeah. Nonfiction. Mm-hmm. So I read, it's called Pleading Out, How Plea Bargaining Creates a Permanent Criminal Class by Dan Cannon. I thought it was really fascinating. I mean, I have never been in jail. Hope not to go to jail. And so I, I have no reference point for plea bargaining. And I was, you know, kind of one of those people who, on the rare occasion when I got called for, I haven't been called for jury duty in a long time, but I would be like, oh, this sucks. I don't want to do jury duty. This is terrible having to go to jury duty. But reading his book made me realize that, I guess, how important jury duty and a lot of the things that people have complained about, plea bargaining sounds like it's not great. And so he talks about plea bargaining, but in a way that you know, the average reader, I think, can understand and get something out of. So it sort of opened my eyes to an issue that probably doesn't get a lot of a lot of just regular, you know, your average person uh, reading about it. So I thought it was fascinating. And we actually saw Dan Cannon speak, uh, do a book talk mm-hmm. at, where was that place over in Southern Indiana? Uh, it's a bookstore called Mickey's Uptown. Yeah. What about you? Uh, I have two for this. I couldn't narrow it down to one. Um, the first one's called How the Word is Passed by Clint Smith. Ba- basically, each chapter is a different place uh, in the United States, has been associated somewhat with slavery, and how those places have dealt with that history. And the premise of his book basically is that, you know, there's some places that have dealt with it better than others. If you've ever traveled in the South and have visited a Southern plantation, they almost sort of glamorize mm-hmm. and glorify, mm-hmm. you know, these big Southern homes. Right. But, you know, in reality, most of those Southern homes were run by sl- slaves. Yeah. They you were know. a lot of built by slaves, right. run by slaves. Yeah. Well, there is a plantation and I could be wrong. It might be Mississippi. It's Alabama or Mississippi where the focus of the tour is about that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I think his premise is that how these places deal with their history of being related to slavery can affect public discourse. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so it was really fascinating. So he did some places like Monticello, uh, Thomas Jefferson's home, uh, Wall Street in New York City. All of them were in the United States except for one, and that was the the place in Ghana mm. where Africans often were put on the slave ships. Mm-hmm. There's a name, but I can't think of it. Door of No Return? Yes, Door of No Return. Okay. 
to go across. And so that's the only one he did that was outside of the United States. Uh, but I really love that book. And the other one is a little lighter. <laughs> it's called The Anthropocene, reviewed by John Green. John Green's the one who wrote Fall in Our Stars. He writes a lot of YA literature. This is a, a set of essays where he's just <laughs> rating different things. <laughs> like, uh, you know how, you know, in modern society, we, we rate things on Yelp. We rate mm-hmm. things on Goodreads. We rate things on Amazon or mm-hmm. whatever. And so this is him rating <laughs> things in normal life. Uh, and I listened to it on audiobook, and it was so entertaining and really thoughtful and deep but funny. Mm-hmm. So cool. Those are my two. All right. We had a bunch of uh, middle grade books. I have two that I would put up there. Mm. Ban this book by Alan Gratz, which is basically about what happens when books start disappearing from a school, an elementary school library, and the kids taking matters into their own hands. And a little girl decides that she is going to make a library in her locker of all the banned books, and kids can check them out from her. It is a delightful book. It's very timely. Um, really enjoyed that one. The other one, and I didn't talk about this on the podcast, it's called The Monster Calls by Patrick Ness. Mm. And it is about, this one's more magical realism. It's about a boy who's middle school grade, I, I think, and a monster comes to, uh, well, first it kind of scares him, but then the monster he thinks is making him do things that are destructive and he doesn't want to do but in also going on his mother is dying and so it's a very poignant it's a very poignant book i have four i could narrow it down i had four on my best middle grade books okay wolf hollow by lauren wolk the beatrice prophecy by kate di camillo the last quintista by donna barba higuera and when you trap a tiger by tay keller um i'm actually going to talk about when you trap a tiger because i finished that the most that was my most mm-hmm. recent one um right before the end of the year listen to it on audiobook it's about a girl who moves with her mom and her sister to washington state to be with their grandmother and their family is korean her her grandmother has told them stories and the you read in the story her grandmother is dying from brain cancer and so the girl is trying to deal with the illness of her grandmother and trying to save her grandmother but also learn about her family's history and it talks you know about a lot of korean folklore at the end of the book there's like an author's note talking about some of the stories and again i like mythology and i like folklore so I felt like it was a, a really nice blend of of kind of, you know, it's a family story. It's about grief and loss and and kids having to deal with that. But it was also, you know, about her story. Her older sister calls her a QAG, a quiet Asian girl. So it deals with her, you know, like, is that who she is? Is she a, a quiet Asian girl? You know, wh- why is she like that? Is that what she wants to be? So again, that's sort of her figuring out who she is. Um, so I, I enjoyed it. And one of our past guests, I can't remember who had talked about this book. It was on my list. Uh, and it won a Newbery. Well, we have Best Memoir. Oh, Best Memoir. Yeah. One of mine is an audiobook. Did you listen to your, the memoir as an audiobook? Or did, did you read it? Okay. I did. I read this one, too. We both yeah, read we both the one read you picked. This one. So the one I picked is, and it's not one that I gave five stars to, 
But why I decided to mention it is because it, and the book is The Storyteller, Tales of Life and Music by Dave Grohl. I still think about this book all the time. And the reason that it, to me it is such, um, it had an impact on me. I kind of knew who Dave Grohl was. I was not a big, I mean, I knew some Nirvana songs. I didn't really listen to Foo Fighters that much. So I really had, I wasn't someone who was listening to this book because I I was a fan or a mm -hmm. super fan. I really was not a fan at all. And I listened to it and now I'm a fan. <laughs> like I found his memoir so interesting that now I'm like curious what he's doing all the time. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, it's not perfectly written, but I thought it was well done. Mm -hmm. And the audiobook, hearing him narrate it was really good. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. The two that I have on my best memoir list, uh, The Marmalade Diaries, The True Story of an Odd Couple by Ben Aiken. He was a guest on the show. Um, you know, I just, I, I love old people. I just love old people. And I felt like this book, it's the story of him moving in with a, an older woman through like a, a home share program in England. And Winnie was, I think, 85 years old and and the pandemic hits, and so they're kind of stuck with each other. So I, it just, again, if you love reading about older adults and, and the relationship that you can have with them, it's really good. And then the other one is an audiobook, What's So Funny, a cartoonist memoir by David Cypress. David Cypress is a cartoonist for The New Yorker, and I've always really enjoyed his cartoons. And so I wanted to read about how he became a, a cartoonist. And the book is about that. It took him, I think he submitted cartoons for 20 or 25 years before he finally got published by The New Yorker. But it's also about his family. So it's a, a family memoir, which I, I found fascinating about him growing up in the 50s and 60s in New York, uh, the son of of Jewish parents and kind of the dynamics there. Uh, what about historical fiction? You mentioned that you're not reading as much I, historical I fiction. I didn't, but there were two that stuck out to me that, that I gave five stars to. One was called Girl at War by Sarah Novich. This was her debut novel, but she had a book come out this year that was pretty popular called True Biz. But this one, Girl at War, is about the Balkan War back in the 90s. And our main character lived in Croatia and was about her, her parents and what it was like living through that war. When I read it was when the Russian invasion of Ukraine happened. And I felt like even though it was, you know, a different war, I think there were a lot of similar things happening. So that's sort of what brought it home for me. Anyway, I really like that book. The other one is Haven by Emma Donahue. Emma Donahue is one of my favorite authors. Uh, this is a set in Ireland. It is about seventh century monks who leave their monastery to create a, a new place of worship on a remote island that no human has been before. And it is a tale of survival, but also of maybe warped religion. Mm. And I found it fascinating. But I was also reading it right after I had been to Ireland and I had visited the western coast of Ireland. So, I mean, it was so vivid in my mind. Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. I could just see it, mm -hmm, you know. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I enjoyed that one. What about you? I don't read a whole lot of uh, historical fiction. Our book club, the other members of our book club tend to pick 
I would say more historical fiction. Um, it's not a huge uh, genre that I gravitate towards, but I really enjoyed Lessons in Chemistry by Bonnie Garmus. Have you finished that yet? No, I'm about 50% <laughs> of the way through. <laughs> um, our book club did read this and I kind of went into it going, ah, I don't want to read this. I didn't know anything about it, but I really, like I gave it five stars. I really, really liked it, which doesn't happen very often for me to feel that way about, about a historical fiction book. But it was uh, about a woman, uh, Elizabeth Zott, in the 1950s and early 60s, who is a chemist. And it's about how she sort of makes a life for herself. So it's it's funny, but it's also sad in places. You know, it, it sort of pulls at a lot, of, a lot of different emotions about it. But overall, just heartwarming. Uh, again, I you know, <laughs> heartwarming is not a... It was a little bit, you know, so I guess the thing is, so a lot of times historical fiction book, I felt like this was kind of a a, a niche historical fiction because it was about a woman in science. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I think about what have been some of my favorite historical fiction books, the ones that's, that I really enjoy, it's the ones where they're kind of this special niche, you know, where the woman is doing something that not every woman is doing. And, you know, like I'm thinking of Rebecca Rosenberg's Vuve Clicquot. And uh, I, th- I thought that was fascinating. I didn't know anything about that. And so this is kind of the same way. Lessons in Chemistry, it's about a woman who was a chemist, you know, and sort of women breaking boundaries. I think if I'm going to read historical fiction, that's maybe a sweet spot for me, as opposed to you know, just women being subjected, you know, I just need something a little bit different. So Mm -hmm. there's definitely a lot of feminist. Yes. Yeah. Themes going through that. For sure. So why don't we do the big kahuna now? The big kahuna? Yeah. Like, so for me, one of my favorite, favorite, favorite books of the year, and also my favorite audio book was The Gunkle. By Stephen Rowley, which we actually are going to read in book club. Mm-hmm. The audiobook is narrated by the author, and The Gunkle is a book about a 40-something-year-old man who was was a television star, but now he's kind of faded away. He's kind of, you know, a B-list actor now. His sister-in-law dies of cancer, and his brother needs him to take the kids for the summer. And to them, he's gay Uncle Patrick. And so... Gup. They call him Gup or the Gunkle, gay uncle. And uh, the in the audiobook, the the author narrating it reminds me of David from Schitt's Creek. Mm. And so it was just a really delightful book. And it was heartwarming, but it also had some meatier, you know, subjects in it. A lot of LGBTQ issues, uh, grief, things like that. So I thoroughly enjoyed that one. Oh, Notes on an Execution. By mm-hmm. Danya Kukovka. I I do read true crime. I read a lot of true crime this year. This one is not true crime. It's a novel, but it is about a serial killer who's on death row and um, several women who knew him. They're not women that he murdered, but women around him, his mother, a girl who knew him at an orphanage and sort of their perspectives mm-hmm. on this man. So well written. I really enjoyed it. Okay. A book that I gave five stars to. It was an audio book. It's also a book of short stories. It's, I can't say the title because it's 
a word. It's Stuff Cassandra Saw by Gwen E. Kirby, but I can't, it's not Stuff. It's that other word that I can't say on the radio. On the radio. So it's, it's a book of short stories. It was like, if you're a woman who's mad, this is a book that you need to read because it'll help you get through that. Especially if you're mad at, at where women have been put you know, historically, and some of the things that they have to deal with. I just, I felt it, it was a really, a really powerful book. Uh, And the cover's awesome. And then I wanted to bring up, uh, you know, this time of year, I'll watch a movie and I don't know that it's based on a book. And so then I'm like, I sort of, oh, I really like that movie. And then it makes me want to read the book. So the best book movie adaptation this year for me was Nightmare Alley by William Lindsay Gresham. Saw the movie. It has uh, Bradley Cooper in it. The movie was really good. And I, I liked reading the, the book after the fact. So, And it follows it. It was, it was pretty good. Yeah. yeah. I, I felt like those were a good, I, I felt like they were both well mm-hmm. done. So, Well, I think we should say we on our show notes, I think we can list each of us list all of our five star yeah. reads plus the books that we've talked about here. But I look forward to another year of talking books with you, Carrie. Yeah, same. Let's hear from another of our past guests from 2022 where uh, they're going to talk about their favorite book of the year. Hey, Perks. This is Natalie Martin. My favorite book that I read in 2022 is really hard to choose, and I can't believe you're making me do it. But I think it was How to Fake It in Hollywood by Ava Wilder. And I loved it because it scratched that celebrity gossip, Hollywood gossip itch, but also included some really necessary and um, important themes like people who are suffering with addiction, people who are suffering with self-identity. And I just really loved it. And I also love both of you. And I'm so glad I got to be a part of your 2022. Hey, everyone. This is Shelly Sackier. And I am thrilled to have been a guest on the Perks of Being a Book Lover podcast with Amy and Carrie. And equally as thrilled to share my favorite book from 2022. Uh, It's called The Dance of Time, The Origins of the Calendar by Michael Judge. I know, I know, I can hear all of you yawn as you glance toward your own calendar and say, how timely. Uh, But the book is one of the most wonderfully fascinating explanations of human routines that include um, the topics of history and myth and religion and astronomy. And of course, let's not forget all of our long established but often misunderstood festivals and feast days. Uh, So I expect there will be a mad rush to the bookstore for this one. So you can just jot down a note in your calendar now to thank me later. Happy New Year, friends, and happy new books. This is Jennifer Calogeris, and I'm the host of the book recommendation podcast, Books Are My People. One of my favorite books I read in 2022 was Dinosaurs by Lydia Millet, about a man named Gil who walks across the country and ends up neighbors with a family who lives in a literal glass house. I love this novel because it's offbeat, well-written, involves social commentary, as well as a reverence for nature. 
This is Sean Petrie. Uh, the, my favorite book that I read in 2022 was Thistlefoot by Jenna Rose Nethercott. I love this book because it was so quirky and weird and beautiful and plot twisty turny and the characters were just amazing and creepy in the best way and the writing was gorgeous and if you love Neil Gaiman or Kelly Link or Libba Bray, any of those, this book is awesome. I'm Bethany Planton, and my favorite reads of 2022 were Apples Never Fall by Leon Moriarty and Lessons in Chemistry by Bar Bonnie Garmus. Both of these books kept me turning the pages wanting to know what would happen next. It was just a delight to read both of these books. Hello, this is Kelly Nuz from Foxing Books. My favorite book that I read in 2022 was Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow. I know this is a popular choice, but I just loved it. I first heard about the book from a friend who sent me a link to play Emily Blaster. It's one of the games that are created in the book. I loved the game, but didn't understand the reference until I picked up the book a few months later. Then I had to go back and play Emily Blaster again. Tomorrow ended up being one of those reads that felt like it was specifically written for me. It felt like someone had taken a look inside my brain and created these characters just for me. Along with the relationships between the characters, I loved imagining what the games they were creating looked like and what it would be like to play them. I love video games and video game art I even have a Nintendo controller tattooed on my arm. I wanted to play Ichigo so badly that it felt like I was dreaming in pixels for a while. There were many times that I had to stop reading and call or text a friend and just gush about the book or reminisce about something that happened between us, something that maybe the book made me think of. I can't say enough about this book. I laughed and I cried and I fell in love and I have recommended it many times over, and now I am recommending it to you. Thanks for listening to us this past year. We're changing some things up, and we'll be back with new episodes and book nerd chats in just a few weeks.